For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's a football Friday. It's a pre-playoff football Friday at that. Means we're building up toward a showdown on Sunday between the Bucks and the Birds in Tampa. First round of the playoffs. Super wild card weekend. I love the way Super we over this. We, we it's the biggest season in the National Football League history. Because they added one game. For some reason, Jody, that reminds me. Are you a Looney Tunes fan? Uh, yeah, you know, Bugs Bunny. I wouldn't say I'm Looney Tunes about Looney Tunes, but I watched cartoons I when I was a, a kid. I was a big Wildy Coyote guy, and when 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 they would let him talk, because in a lot of ones with the Roadrunner, they wouldn't let him talk. But there were some where it's with paired with Bugs Bunny, where he could talk, and he would have his business card, and it would say Wildy Coyote, super genius. That's what super wild card. Weekend reminds me. I forgot that about Wiley Coyote. He wasn't a master uh, speaker, but uh, yes, he he did emphasize the super when given a chance, which much like with Wiley Coyote, this is overstated as well. All right, we got one extra game. It's on Monday night. We got to wait a little bit longer to put the weekend to bed, but they have expanded the playoffs and they expanded the days that they are having the playoffs. The Eagles game falls pretty much in the middle the sixth game so you can't have a perfect middle it's kind of like the nfl season at 17 games now you can't have a mid-season anymore because it's an odd number of games thank you very much national football league uh same with the playoffs uh, yeah i like the sunday at one uh, I'm, uh, I, very... I love sunday at one Simplistic. i love sunday at one you have a bigger reason because you have travel included and, and deadlines and the like. I'm just looking at it from, well, I do have dead because I got to be on the air at six o'clock on Sunday, but that's when football is supposed to be played. I've been doing this for 50 some odd years, being a fan of the national football league. That's when your team's supposed to play when you're on the East coast Sunday at one. So I'm glad the Eagles are playing Sunday at one. And it could actually benefit the Eagles because I double checked the, weather right before i came on only a 90 percent chance of rain in tampa on sunday which means it's gonna rain despite what uh, the coach of the bucks may say oh give it 10 minutes it may change well probably not there's going to be some wetness on the field i'm seeing definitely rain in the morning may drift into the afternoon which means it may be raining while they're playing or it could just be a slick field but first time I saw wind declarations of 20 to 25 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. Damn. They, That's not... the bigger issue. That's yeah. always the bigger issue. I, I found that NFL teams and especially good quarterbacks, which I kind of mentioned yesterday, rain doesn't bother them much at all. Uh, but wind is what they're concerned about. Um and and yeah, I mean that's that's not to the point. You remember the Buffalo game a couple uh, years ago, and you remember Buffalo New England this year. It's 
when when it's really bad, there's nothing you can do um, when it comes to throwing the football. So that could be uh, twenty to thirty could have a a an effect certainly on the passing games, and that yeah that that part of it would probably be an advantage to the Eagles, um, I would think. Um, the rain part, as as I said, talking to Aaron Rodgers over the years and Tom Brady, I, I think that would actually be an advantage to Tampa Bay, even though it's counterintuitive. I kind of explained that on yesterday's show. That's what those guys always say. I got to take them at their word and the fact that, you know, we know where we're going. The defense doesn't know where they're going. So if anybody's going to slip, it, it, you know, it's more – uh, likely to be the defensive side of the football. So who knows, but it's another, uh, another little curveball to throw into the mix. Um, I would say if I'm an Eagles fan, I'd be rooting for wind more than rain. Agreed. Uh, I think despite what Tom Brady says, uh, I, I, I hear what he's saying that, Yes, it's always an offense advantage that they know what they're going and the defense doesn't. Uh, they're reacting more than anything else. Yeah, I'd rather run the ball in the rain. That would be me. In the wind, I, <laughs> I'm almost my head is almost forced that I have to run the ball. And yeah, I think the Eagles can run the ball better than the the Bucks can. Although playoff Lenny, I did see some video of him yesterday in Tampa's practice. Looked like he was moving around pretty damn well. Didn't look like a guy was coming off any uh, hamstring-type issues, and uh, he is the key to their running game. They've been okay at running back. The kid Vaughn, draft pick this year, filled in admirably over the last couple of weeks, but he's not as good a player as Leonard Fournette is. So we perceive the Eagles to have an advantage running the ball. I certainly uh, concur with that. I don't know if I would call it a major advantage running the ball if Fournette is good to go? Um, well, you know, it, I, the Eagles lead the NFL in rushing, so I'm not going to say anybody has the advantage over them when it comes to running the football. But we've, we've talked a, a little bit about uh, why, and it, it generally relates to the quarterback and the offensive line more than the actual running back. So I guess it depends how you're going to flesh things out. Um, Leonard Fournette has more yards running and he missed time than any of the Eagles running back. So yeah, from a running back standpoint, he's as good as anybody the Eagles have. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's what fuels the Eagles running game. I think what fuels the Eagles running game is anybody can run the football. They've proven it. Anybody can run the football behind that offensive line. And then you have the extra headache of dealing with Jalen Hurts who, creates all kinds of issues as that extra person you have to account for uh, when you're stopping the run. So I think it's more of in, in, you know, typically I lean towards, if you're going to ask me questions about anything, I'd lead towards talent over scheme. When it comes to the Eagles rushing attack, I lean towards scheme over talent because they've proven every single one of them. They've proven they can run the football with Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell. Every single one of them, they've proven they can run the football effectively. That is the strength of the Eagles is their offensive line getting pushed for their running game. We both uh, agree on that one. Speaking of that running game, did you lay eyes on Miles Sanders yesterday? I did for a very short period of time. 
um, Eagles for some reason. The nicest day in Philadelphia in a couple weeks at least. And uh, they went inside the bubble. So the NFL has restricted access again because of the explosion of COVID cases and blah, blah, blah. So anytime they're inside, we're not allowed to watch the small portion of practice we even typically can. So we didn't get to watch practice. All we got to watch is the Eagles walking from the Novacare complex into the practice bubble. And I did see Miles walking, and he didn't have anything on either hand. No, no, no tape, no brace, no nothing. So who knows? He might have had something and put it on when he got in there. But uh, I guess you could say it's a positive sign at least. He certainly That's looks like he's going to play, no question. That's why I asked the question, because I saw the same video you did. You saw it with your own two <laughs> eyes. So Miles Sanders, with no attachments to his hand, we'll have to see if he can play with it, if it is 100%, but that's a very good sign as far as I'm concerned. Now, you did say the when the NFL decided the Eagles going to practice inside, you mean the NFL decided you weren't going to be allowed in to see the Eagles practice no, the, inside? Yeah, the, 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 the NFL rule is we can't watch when they're inside. The Eagles decided to practice right. inside. That's, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I, maybe I heard it, heard it incorrectly. Um, but the, the NFL didn't side to stiff you guys. No, the Eagles made that decision themselves. And you're right, it was a nice day and uh, probably a little chilly, but uh, they don't have to worry about that against Tampa because in rain and in wind, it's still going to be in the 60s, close to 70 at kickoff on, on Sunday. So uh, I, I got no problems with them practicing inside, even if though even though it did limit your ability to see what was going on. Um, did Josh Sweat make the walk yesterday? Because that is one thing that does concern me as we sit here on the Friday before the Sunday game. Second consecutive day did not participate at all in practice. They're calling it a non-COVID illness. You get any further details? Did you see Josh at all? They can really not afford to have him out of the lineup, John, because I think a key to this game, and it might not favor the Eagles the way the weather might favor the Eagles, it may come down to the team that gets more pressure on the quarterback. The Eagles have to have pressure on Brady. If he is allowed to just sit back there and take his throws from his spots, I think they're in a whole lot of trouble, even if they're down a couple of their weapons on the outside. And one of the few guys, the only guy on the outside who's been getting pressure for the Eagles over the last month has been Josh Sweat. They need him in the lineup on Sunday. Any other tidbits you can add there that uh, Josh is just working through a cold or something like that and should be go on Sunday or is this legit concern for Eagle fans? Um, no, I don't think it's a legit concern. Obviously in, in today's world, uh, you want to keep players away uh, from other players if they're sick, because the last thing you want is, uh, is it to start going through the, the team, the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. So, I just think they're being extra cautious. And as we said with miles, you know, if this were a regular season game, I, I find it hard to believe Miles Sanders would be out there, but it's not. It's the playoffs, and I think there's no question he's going to try to play. So to me, there's no question that Josh Sweat is going to, to play on Sunday. Um, the only issue is COVID, and you know, people have said, well, has he got COVID? No, he doesn't have COVID. If he has COVID, he's got to be on the COVID list. So 
you know, I think people forget um, there are other sicknesses other than COVID and people and players have been playing with them for uh, years and years and years and years. So, uh, you know, the Eagles don't practice all that much anyway. Let's be honest. They had a walkthrough on Wednesday. Um, they did practice a little bit on Thursday. They even had the pads on, but only to, you know, work on, on like run fits and, and, and both on the offensive side, the defensive side. Um, they weren't hitting or anything of that nature just to get the feel for it uh, with the pads on. So he's not missing a ton of work and he's at this stage, he is a veteran player and I don't think they're concerned about it. And yeah. I expect him to be out there, um, be out there on Sunday uh, unless a regular illness <laughs> turns into a COVID illness, which uh, I don't even know if that's possible. Nor, nor do I, and it's something we won't know about probably till game time on Sunday. So take us from now until Sunday. Are the Eagles going to practice today? Is it going to be a walkthrough? What time are they flying to Tampa? Uh, as we count down the hours to kickoff, what does it look like for the Eagles between now and the uh, start of the game? Yeah, they're going to have a short practice today, a typical Friday practice, which is the shortest practice of the week. And uh, then they'll leave for Tampa on, on, on Saturday. Um, you know, the Eagles like to be in the opposition city for as short a time as possible. It's a business trip. Uh, nobody's going to Clearwater. Clearwater beach time like Ed Kratz. Uh, who's not going to be on the show today because he needs his clear water beach time. So we can rip him about that next week. But um, yeah, they're not going down there to go to the beach. So just a business trip. And uh, you know, one thing everybody has consistently said, because the Eagles are getting all these questions from Nick Sirianni on down about the box playoff experience. And un understandably so with Tom Brady and, Bruce Arians and Rob Gronkowski and down the list. Um, and they've said, you know, to a man, it's like any other week, you prepare like any other week. The minute you go out that, the minute you try to make it bigger than it is, that's when the, your eyes get big and you're probably starting to get starstruck and looking at the other side and looking at number 12. And that's how you get beat. Um, same as week six, prepare for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're next they're next on the schedule. Easier said than done. More power to them if that's the message the coach is trying to put forth. It's a good one. It's a smart one. Is it a realistic one? We're, we're talking about practice squad guys included, 60-plus guys who know what's up, who know what the score is, who know what the game is. They know that there's only going to be six games played this weekend, not – uh, 16 games played this weekend. You can say it. You can try and ingrain it into your thinking. Can you really remove it from the thought process totally that it's not a more important game than the first 17 you played? I think it's more difficult for the players. I think it's easy for the coaches. I mean, that's, you know, it's easy. They have the same schedule. They're the same schedule they have every week. So from that standpoint, it's easy to not change it and, and to to stay in your lane, so to speak. But yeah, from the player perspective, and I even asked Dallas Goddard, I think I mentioned on the show, I asked him about Gronk. He doesn't even play Gronk, but he's going to be watching Gronk. I mean, he plays the the Tampa Bay defense. He never sees 
Rob Gronkowski on the field. Um, but, you know, when you're a tight end and you got one of the best tight ends who ever played the game on the other side, you're, you're, you're paying attention. Uh, you're looking at him. Uh, and the same thing with Jalen Hurts, even though, you know, Jalen Hurts is not going to, um, you know, and he has actually kind of swatted off any questions about Tom Brady and about how uh, playing against perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time. He doesn't even want to go down that route, but you know, he's heard it. You know, he, he understands the enormity of it. And again, I brought up this number all week, 46 versus one, 46 playoff start for Tom Brady first for Jalen Hurts. I saw another uh, number that was kind of hard to swallow today. Um, Tom Brady, 34 playoff victories, the Philadelphia Eagles as an organization in the Super Bowl era, 23 playoff victories. You could do that to every team, though. That's not fair, Jody. The Eagles are closer than most teams. Mm, closer than a lot of teams. Yes. I don't, if it's most, it's just about more than half. There yes. are teams that have had more playoff wins than the Eagles since 1967, I think, was the first Super Bowl. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac Birds 365 duo. We will add a third member. Our buddy Martin Frank will join us coming up next. Um, oh, he's already online. He's ready to rock. That's what we like ready to see. Ready to go. Ready. Martin, Unlike Patty's, Kratz, he's, he's going to uh, Kratz, he's Kratz got is on Kratz. his way He's going yeah. to tell you how the Eagles are or aren't going to win this game. You're going to have to stay tuned to find out. Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hit. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. McDonald, we've got a helping hand joining us now uh, from the Delaware News Journal. Martin Frank hops aboard. Uh, Martin, you were ready. I uh, saw you waving papers there. Have you figured out who's going to win this football game? Do you have it written down as to how this football game is going to go on Sunday? Uh, I have a pretty good idea how, how it could go. I think there's a pretty good chance that the Eagles could be playing in Green Bay next weekend. Wow. We got we got positivity. I'm glad, Martin, because yeah. I'm not too positive about it. And I think I'm more positive about it than Jody. So why? Why are you looking at this as, as a chance for the Philadelphia Eagles to shock the world like Jesse <laughs> well, Ventura once did in the state of Minnesota? Well, a couple, a couple, a couple of reasons. Um, you, you look at you look at the Buccaneers like the last four games, and during that time they lost Chris Godwin, their all-star, all-pro wide receiver. Antonio Brown walked off the field, left the team, got released, and and Brady hasn't been the same since then. Yeah, he still has weapons. He still has a guy named Mike Evans. He still has Rob Gronkowski and Brashad Perryman and guys like that. But it it. He lost a lot when when Godwin tore his ACL, and in that game they got shut out nine nothing. They were also losing to the Jets until like a last minute rally in the fourth quarter. Um, that was I think um, January second, and you that was know a sure bad they, game. Yeah, what's that? Was that? Big, that was a bad game. Yeah, and you know they they crushed the the Panthers this past week, but you know it's the Panthers. They were pretty much done anyway, so. You know, I think they're a little bit vulnerable. I mean, I think it's going to be a close game either way. But I think, like, you know, if things break right for the Eagles, they, they could pull it out. I mean, you know, when they first played Tampa Bay in October, um, you know, they weren't really running the ball. Miles Sanders had one carry for one yard at halftime, which, like, you know, somebody should have, like, you know, knocked Nick Sirianni over the head. Like, what, what are you doing and stuff? And, I mean, they're a totally different team from that. I mean – Jordan Melata was playing right tackle because Lane Johnson was away. Um, Andre Dillard was playing left tackle. Um, and, and the defense was, you know, a, was a disaster back then. I mean, Brady was picking them apart. I mean, it's possible he could still do that, but he doesn't have, like, two of his main weapons. So, you know, I, I, think, it, I think there's a chance. I think if things break the right way, you know, Miles Sanders play. If Miles Sanders plays, you know, they got a really good running attack, and, and they're going to use it. And the, 
the weather could be kind of you know rainy and windy very windy right i think it's supposed to be like yeah, 20, 20, 20 to 30 so yeah. that could affect the passing game i mean you know the eagles could have a chance all right martin i'm gonna play partial devil advocate here you mm-hmm. said uh, about the pay the two wins toward the end of the season over carolina yeah but it's the panthers which i get it's the panthers right how about the eagles nine wins this year <laughs> Which one do you not say, yeah, but in front of? Uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. I mean, <laughs> there definitely is that. I mean, you know, you look at a lot of things like that. I mean, you know, earlier in the year, they were getting shredded by good quarterbacks, and they hadn't played a good quarterback in the last nine games. Um, I, I, I Except get that. back, and that doesn't count because it was the varsity against the JV. Yeah. Right, right, right. But, I mean, it was still – you know, Dak going against the Eagles defense and he shredded them and stuff. But yeah, like like you said, it was the JV. Yeah, I mean, there's still that possibility. I mean, I'd like to think the Eagles defense is better though than than they were when they first played the Bucks. And yeah, I mean, Brady could still have a big game and everything, but he doesn't have the same weapons that he had back then. I know Gronkowski didn't play, but he, he still had Godwin, he still had Antonio Brown, he had Mike Evans and you know, it's it just hasn't been the same. So I'd like to think the Eagles' defense has gotten a little bit better since then, and the Bucks' offense has gotten a little bit worse. So maybe there's like a middle ground where they can kind of keep them under control, at least keep the game close enough where they'd have a chance to win. And you take into account the 20 to 30 mile an hour wins could affect Brady's passes. Uh, okay, Martin, I'm going to jump in with Jody and play a little devil's advocate as well. You mentioned, and no question, I mean, I think people forget how big Antonio Brown was in that game against the Eagles. He he was uh, pretty dominant, and obviously he's gone off the rails, and he mentioned Chris Godwin, uh, who's his big third down sort of move the change guy or had been. Uh, so there's no doubt that they they've lost some of their top-tier playmakers. But one guy they haven't had and who looks like he's coming back, we mentioned Miles Sanders in Philadelphia, is Leonard Fournette, as they call him down there, playoff Lenny. And I just found out today um, that Leonard Fournette in his last six uh, playoff games has scored a touchdown in each, and he's got eight over that entire span. So Tom Brady's getting him back. And, you know, as you mentioned, he didn't have Gronk in the first game in week six. Now Gronk is, is amping up. He's had 250 plus receiving yards over the past two weeks. He's, he doesn't have the same guys. He's got different guys, but he's still got some playmakers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, Tom Brady is a good quarterback. Uh, He's the best of all time. Some people call him the goat. Um. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Brady's been in all kinds of these situations before, and that's, you know, another thing. The Eagles' defense, you know, they might try disguises and, you know, whatnot, but Brady has seen all that. He knows how to pick it apart, and, you know, maybe he will. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, you know, the Bucks have a great offensive line, and the Eagles didn't touch him at all the last game, and they might not touch him again, although they, pro- they need to if they want to win, but – yeah, I mean, it's still very possible the Bucks could, you know, put it all together. But I just think in this one game and everything, the Eagles have a lot of things working in their favor. And that includes the fact that, you know, they don't have 
Godwin. They don't have Antonio Brown. The weather could be pretty bad, you know, to affect the passing game. And if the Bucs have to become a running team, you know, that's not their strength either. I mean, Leonard Fournette is effective because teams have to focus so much of their attention on their big play receivers. Um, and it's possible that, you know, if they have to run the ball, I don't know if Fournette's that guy who's going to get 100 yards on the ground, unlike the Eagles, where if they can run the ball effectively, and they should, then maybe that keeps Brady off the field too, and he doesn't have as many chances. All right, Martin, you're right. This this Eagle team that will be playing on Sunday is not the same Eagle team that got beat by the Bucks back in week number six. We certainly know the difference on offense. They made a concerted decision and change from a pass-heavy offense to a run-heavy offense, and it has worked famously for them. You said you also believe the defense is better. Why? <laughs> Uh, I just think that they've had more time to learn Jonathan Gannon's system. I mean, when they played the Buccaneers, it was back in, in week six. And, you know, he wasn't really blitzing as much. He wasn't really making adjustments on the fly. And I think as the season went on after that, he started doing both things a little bit more. I mean, he showed different looks. He disguised more. He sent more blitzes. No, he didn't become blitz-happy defensive coordinator or anything like that but I mean I think they were more effective in that and like you know we've been saying earlier maybe all of that is a product against of playing against really bad quarterbacks and and bad teams and maybe that made them look better than they are I mean we're that's the big unknown going into Sunday we're going to find out if the defense really is that much better if they've just been playing so much inferior competition that you know it had to be that way so um yeah, I mean, I, I, but I do think they're better. I mean, Darius Slay has been awesome this year. He's He's been a Pro Bowl. You know, he was named to the Pro Bowl and, and is definitely deserving of that. Um, you know, the defensive line has gotten better. Um, Fletcher Cox kind of ha has played better in December. You know, Hargrave has been great pretty much all year, except for, like, he had a middle-of-the-season kind of lull. You know, Sweat has been good. I mean, he's been out all week and hasn't practiced all week, but I'd like to think that he'll play. I mean, and, you know, Barnett's been up and down, but, you know, he could, he could have a big game as well. So I just think they're better overall, and I think, you know, if things work their way, they could win. Uh, for people who are obsessed with the pass rush, and let's be honest, that's most of Philadelphia, Martin, mm -hmm. because they have a history, and, you know, we can go back to – Buddy Ryan, if you want to go back to Marion Campbell and, and and all the way up to Bud Carson and Jim Johnson, they want a pass rush. They want a pass rush. They want aggression. You're not going to get to Tom Brady. Uh, I I mean he he. There are certain quarterbacks. Peyton Manning was like this as well. You're not going to sack him a lot. Uh, he's too smart. He processes too quickly. He gets the football out of his hands. So how do you how do you Combat that. I want you to put your JG hat on and wish me a happy Tuesday and tell me how the heck do you combat that? Because you're not getting to the guy. You're not sacking the guy multiple times. Now you could do it in a big moment like Brandon Graham did and mm -hmm. win you a big game, but you're not going to do it consistently. So how do you get to that point where you can make the big splash play in one moment to win a football game? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. And, and, you know, I mean, a lot a lot of teams have been trying to figure that out for the last 
22, 23 years. But basically what you have to do is maybe not necessarily sack Brady, but you have to make him get rid of the ball. Now, he's also great at getting rid of the ball, like quickly in 2.5 seconds or less. Um, so, you know, you have to like, you have to pretty much put pressure on Brady. So he's kind of like off his spot. He's making an off balance throw. He's getting the ball rid of the ball before he really wants to. And, you know, you have to stop his check downs because he's great at that. Um, you know, if he's not able to throw deep, then he's going to look for, you know, Gronk underneath. He's going to look for Fournette or Giovanni Bernard, who's probably coming back this week as well. You know, those guys are good receiving uh, running backs and everything like that. So, yeah, it's it's hard. And and if he does complete his checkdowns, you got to hold those guys to maybe seven or eight yards and keep them from getting like 12 to 15, you know, running after the catch and all that. Um, it's a tall order to be sure. But, you know, you know, that's another thing that, you know, you have you have T.J. Edwards, um, who's been playing a lot. I don't think he played at all in the first game. I think it was uh, Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton. He was, he was in the mix, but yeah, he, yeah. He, so, he was a rotational player at that point. You know, it's going to take a total team effort, and I just, you know, we'll find out, I guess, is, is the big question. I mean, obviously, you can't really stop Brady, but you can do things to limit his effectiveness. If, he, if he's completing, like, five, six, seven-yard passes as opposed to 12 to 15 to 20 and everything like that, the Eagles will be happy with that. I mean, even if he is still completing a high percentage, which he typically does, but yeah, at the same time, you know, you got to make him uncomfortable. And maybe that's not sacking him because obviously he doesn't get sacked very often. I think he's only been sacked 22 times this year, yeah. something like that. But you do have to put pressure on him. You can't let him stand there all day and, you know, find his guys because he'll pick you apart that way. Martin, good news, bad news scenario. The good news is the Eagles are 6-3 and three on the road this year. That's a pretty damn good road record considering they were 3-5 and five at home to go 6-3 and three on the road. Pretty impressive. The problem is Tampa's 7-1 and one at home this year, so uh, yeah. the Eagles have proven they can win away from the link, but the Bucks have also proven they're pretty darn tough in their home stadium. Uh, the crowd. I've said this a couple times already here on Birds 365 this week. I think Eagle Nation is one of the best fan bases in the entire National Football League, and they take their act on the road. A lot of Eagle fans love getting away to road games, playoff games since they had no playoff games last year. They'll be up for this one. What kind of a Eagle occupation do you think is going to go on percentage-wise in the crowd in Sunday's game? Well, it's it's an interesting question because, A, Eagles fans, like you said, like to travel, and, B, they, they love to travel to Florida and <laughs> the Tampa Bay Clearwater area they're very familiar with because, obviously, they go down there every spring for Philly spring training. So I think there will be a lot of Eagles fans there. I'm not sure if all of them are going to be getting into the game because I think the Bucks fans show up too. So you could see maybe 20%, I'd like to think. And that's not a – I mean, that's a good number. Not uh, terrible. Yeah, all things considered, because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be hard to get a ticket. I mean, the Buccaneers have been playing so well, obviously, that they're – you know, they sell all their games now and stuff. But, uh, 
the Eagles fans will be down there. They'll be in the parking lots. Uh, they'll be out at the beaches. Um, they'll be, you know, all over Tampa Bay or Tampa, um, you know, Saturday night and everything, Sunday morning. You'll see them. Uh, they might not all get into the game, but they'll be there. Yeah, they definitely will. And they'll be on my flight, so no fly Eagles fly chance. And yours as well, Martin. Uh, I want to give you credit for this, Martin, because you're the first person I think I saw who noticed it, at least. Uh, and 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 by the way, make sure you read uh, Martin at DelawareOnline.com, Delaware News Journal. Uh, in the Eagles um, uh, game notes this week, they had a little bit of fun uh with the with the puns uh flower power section fertile ground game sprouting offense defensive yard work hurts so good sow not your garden variety birds uh they had a lot of fun uh putting together the notes this week but we talked about nick sirianni and his turnaround and we've said first playoff game for Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback. Well, this is the first playoff game for Nick Sirianni as a head coach, and he's going against a guy who's done it before at a high level in Bruce Arians. Uh, so there's an experience gap there, not to mention Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator down there, Byron Lepwich. Uh, guys are getting uh, head coaching interviews all over the place. Um, what do you see in this coaching matchup? We're saying Hurts versus Brady. How about this young coaching staff against maybe the deepest coaching staff in the NFL. Well, I mean, you could see that uh, Nick Sirianni is blooming <laughs> into a, a decent head coaches here. I mean, you look at the uh, seven, I think there were seven head coaches who were hired last year. I mean, Sirianni is the only one of them in the playoffs. Uh, he and, Brandon Staley, I think, are the only two who uh, had a five above 500 record. So, yeah, I mean, Arians has been around forever. I mean, even before he became a head coach, he was an assistant with the Colts. He was an assistant with the Steelers on their Super Bowl teams, like in the 2000s. So, yeah, that's a big, you know, Arians has the experience advantage, just like Tom Brady has it over Jalen Hurts. But, you know, you look at Sirianni has has definitely improved as a coach. He's got the guys believing in him with his flower power. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's what you need. I mean, the veterans had to buy in for the Eagles to be a success this year. And, and to a man, I mean, Kelsey, uh, you look at Lane Johnson, even Fletcher Cox. I mean, he had his issues with Jonathan Gannon early in the season. He's a big believer. I mean, those guys have been to the Super Bowl before. Those guys have been in a bunch of playoff games and they have that kind of experience that they can share with the younger players and everything like that. And, you know, it's kind of like the same with Sirianni. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a first time head coach, but he's been in the playoffs before with uh, Frank Reich and Indy. And he, I guess, I'm not sure if he made the playoffs with the Chargers. He might've, I don't Yeah. He had to one or two. Yeah. Cause he, he mentioned had, he's in yeah, seven, he was in seven play in games. So, He's been yeah, there with right. the Chiefs under Todd Todd Haley, Chargers, Colts. Um, yeah. But head coach, it's a little bit different. And obviously first for Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen's been a coordinator before. But when you look at the experience on the other side, 
it's not as damning as the quarterback versus quarterback, but it's still pretty a pretty wide gap as well. Right, and and one thing about the quarterback situation is no, Jalen Hurts has never has never played in an NFL playoff game, but he's played in two national championship games, and he's been to the college football playoffs a third time when he was at Oklahoma. So, you know, it's not like he's never been in a big game before. He's just never been in an NFL playoff game. Yeah, and in some I, ways the national championship is bigger than a wild card, even a super wild card weekend. Martin, I've got a uh, crystal ball question for you. You point out that Tom Brady is down a couple of his key weapons from earlier in the season, and that's accurate. The uh, guy went out a really good year before getting hurt, and Antonio Brown might be the biggest whack job in the National Football League, but he produced and he produced against the Eagles, as a matter of fact, in that Thursday night game earlier this year. So if you look at the uh, Bucks now, their two main receiving threats are Mike Evans and uh, Rob Gronkowski. If you look at the Eagles, their two main receiving threats are Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. Taking those four out of the mix, what other receiver on either team has a chance to make a big play, maybe the deciding play in this game. Uh, the Bucs are reduced, but the Eagles haven't been great all year other than their top two. Who's the guy who's going to step up and be big? You know, that's that's an interesting question because they are kind of similar in, the, in, that respect, in that respect in that, like, their best, each team's best receivers are, A, a top receiver, and then, B, a tight end. But, I mean, the Bucks are also deeper at tight end. I mean, they have Cameron Brait. Uh, they have O.J. Howard. You know, so they, they can hurt you with, like, three different tight ends. And, and Brashad Perryman has been around the league. I mean, he's, you know, he's a good receiver as well. I mean, he's definitely better than, you know, the second and third receivers for the Eagles and, and Jalen Rager and, and Quez Watkins. Um, so I, I would still give the Bucks the edge in that, in that regard. I mean, they're just deeper than the Eagles at receiver. But, I mean, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard can definitely hold their own against, you know, Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. So um, I'm not saying they're as good as both of those uh, as Evans and Gronkowski, but they're not, you know, they're definitely in that in that range. So, um, but, yeah, the Bucks definitely have a deeper receiving core, even without, uh, Godwin and, and Antonio Brown. It kind of mirrors, though, Martin. It kind of mirrors the Eagles in that way, as you mentioned. The Eagles' passing game, uh, to a large extent, since they made the shift, has been Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, and, and maybe somebody else who get it every once in a blue moon. Um, the Bucks aren't that bad, but it's still now it's Mike Evans and Gronk. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, how would you go about sort of dealing with that? As those are the two guys you have to stop. Right. And a lot right. of people say, just put Darius Slay on Mike Evans, bracket Gronk. You could go the other way, though, and you could say completely shut down whoever the other receiver is, Rashad Perryman, Tyler Johnson with Darius Slay, bracket Mike Evans, throw a village at Gronk. How would you go about trying to stop those two dominant receivers uh, on Tampa Bay? Well, I would definitely, I would definitely put Slay on, on Mike Evans, and I would bracket Gronk, and you know, see if guys like Scotty Miller and 
and Perryman can be because, um, you know, Steve Nelson on the other side isn't bad either. You know, he can, you know, he could pretty much take out the number two guy or at least, you know, be decent. But, but the one thing you mentioned is how like, you know, the Eagles and Brock and Bucks kind of mirror each other now with the, you know, one wide receiver and one top tight end. But the difference is the Eagles also have the running game. So they're not as dependent on those, you know, two guys to do everything as much as the Bucks are. I mean, if if you take out Mike Evans and you bracket Gronkowski and you make it tough for Brady to, you know, get the ball off as quickly as he wants to and everything, and, you know, he doesn't have as many many places to go with it. The Eagles, on the other hand, if you shut down Devontae Smith and you bracket Dallas Goddard, which teams have obviously tried to do in the last several weeks, well, you know, you give the ball to Miles Sanders, you give the ball to Jordan Howard, you give the ball to Boston Scott. I mean, all those guys will be able to play. Um, we're assuming Miles Sanders will, will be able to play, but I think, I mean, I think he will. Um, you have a totally different situation on your hands because the Eagles have exploited that and the Buccaneers haven't been proven, haven't proven yet that they can take advantage if you shut down their top two receivers or try to shut down their top two receivers. We're not sure yet exactly how they compensate for that because we haven't seen it. Martin, a lot of times, most times, and rightfully so, we look at the, these matchups from the top down. Let me change the perspective. And sometimes you can pick up a nugget about this. The most embarrassing loss by each of these two teams. The Bucks got shut out by the Saints just the four or five weeks ago, nine to nothing. The Eagles just got beat by the dead in the water New York Giants in the last month of the season as well. Which is the more embarrassing loss? Oof. Uh, they're both, they're both awful. <laughs> um, I think the Eagles loss isn't quite as bad because that was like six weeks ago and they've won what, uh, they won four straight after that until, you know, the Cowboys game, which didn't really count. Um, the Bucks were shut out on, I think that was the game where Godwin tore his ACL, right? I mean, it was like in the first yeah. half. Of the war, yeah, they lost a bunch of guys. They lost Fournette in that game. Oh, uh, yeah, they I lost... think Evans left that game, too. Yeah, yeah. they but... lost uh, one of the – they lost Fournette. They lost one defensive player I can't remember. They lost a, a bunch of yeah. people in that game. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Evans went out and um, somebody else, too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was – but I'm not sure if the Bucks have fully recovered from that, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Like, you know, I saw them play, you know, the game Antonio Brown left against the Jets. I mean, they were losing the entire game. I mean, they won in the last minute or minute or two. I mean, that would have been an awful defeat. Um, they had another tough game before that. Um, yeah, they, they beat the Panthers in the last game, but. You know, the Panthers were pretty right, much he, done. I, I, I hate to keep going back to this. You said the Eagles yeah. have won four in a row. Giants, Washington football team, Washington football team, Giants. Yeah. And, Same and, thing, and, right? Yeah, and they were losing, I think, in each of those other games. Like, they fell behind. Uh, yeah, Washington. To Washington, and they had their whole team depleted by COVID. That was, like, their fourth quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Um, they fell behind the next week, I think, to the – Giants was it also 10 to nothing and they came back 
and then and they then, fell behind Washington and then they fell again. Behind Washington yeah. again. Yeah, but and Washington, you know, both of those teams obviously aren't very good. Um, so yeah, I mean, but you bring up well, you you bring up a good point, Martin, because if you get 10 down, 10 nothing, if you get down 10 nothing well, to the yeah. Washington football team with Garrett Gilbert, you know, you're not going to panic because you know right. if your defense settles down. <clears throat> if you get down 10 nothing to this team, yeah, you're you done. know it's not stopping. You know they're not going to not score again the rest of the game. So how important is it to stop that sort of recent trend of slow starts and get the lead? against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, it's, it's imperative. I mean, if you're down 10 nothing to Brady in the first quarter, uh, you know, might as well start heading back to Philly <laughs> because it's pretty much going to be over. And, and they absolutely can't get off to a slow start, which they have been doing um, the past, you know, several games and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the one caveat to the fact of this being – you know, this could be a close game and could possibly go in the Eagles' favor is you have to – you can't get off to a slow start. If you keep doing that like you did against Washington twice and the Giants, you know, they're pretty much done. I mean, if you – if Hurts has to become a passing – strictly a passing quarterback throwing 30 to 40 times, the Eagles can't win that. Um, so. Let me see if you're with me on this one, Martin, um, and it's kind of a – preemptive protection of Nick Sirianni. The Eagles decided to go with their JV team last week, although Nick at times seemed a little defensive when he was asked about all the guys on the COVID list. They got COVID. What do you want from me? <laughs> it was a strategy, and it was a loophole that the Eagles used, and I think quite wisely myself. If they get beat by two touchdowns in this game, you know that the critics are going to be out and Moss saying, why were the Eagles that stupid? They needed to stay at four. They had one. Martin Frank told me they won four games in a row. Why didn't we make it five? Why didn't we beat the Cowboys? They're going to be second-guessed to all hell. If they either win or stay competitive, nobody's going to go. And, you know, it was that smart move by the Eagles to keep all their players on the bench and throw the practice squad out there for the last game. It'll be much worse if they lose. They'll get crushed for it. They'll get minimal credit for it if they actually win. They do the right thing on Sunday by sitting as many guys as they did. I think they did. Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Jody. I think the thing is with, um, you know, you look at the NFL schedule. I mean, you know, only one team gets a bye. And no, the Eagles weren't going to get a bye no matter what. Um, but this is like the only chance to rest. If you have a spot clinch, this is the only chance to rest your players going into the playoffs. And, and you look at the guys who rest. I mean, Jalen Hurts has been playing the past month on a bad ankle. You know, Miles Sanders had the broken hand. Yeah, they had a bunch of guys on COVID, but those guys were also banged up a little bit too and probably, you know, dealing with some kind of injury. I mean, a lot of those guys were veteran guys. You know, Jordan Howard had the stinger. Um, Boston Scott had been getting a lot of use lately and stuff. I mean, those guys probably needed a break. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely – on board with with resting as many of those guys as you can i mean yeah i mean that's always the possibility that you know they can get blown out and you can say well those guys were rested they didn't keep the momentum going but you look at the other way i mean you look at the dallas cowboys when they played the eagles they had all those guys in until you know well into the third quarter maybe the fourth and you saw the hit that dak prescott took 
from uh, Milton Williams in that game. I mean, I was surprised Dak Prescott got up from that hit. I mean, it was it was pretty tough. And and you know what happens if you're a Cowboys fan and and let's say, you know, Prescott you know sprains an ankle or or like breaks a rib and he can't play this Sunday against the 49ers and are, are, are all the Cowboys fans saying you know Mike McCarthy what what, what are you doing? killed him yeah. if that exactly. gets into the game yeah. this week Mike yeah. McCarthy's a I, dead man I think that that was a much bigger risk than what the Eagles did I mean I think what the yeah. Eagles did was smart I think the Cowboys um you know, fortunately for them, I mean, none of those guys got hurt, but they easily could have. And, and you know, Dak took a pretty tough hit. I mean, and what's the point? I mean, Dak's played all year. Um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott has played all year. I think the only guys who sat out, key guys, were, were Tony Pallard, Trevon Diggs, Micah Parsons, and stuff like that. But, you know, pretty much all their guys played, and, and they definitely took a risk by doing it. And I hope it's worth it for them. But, um you know, if they lose that first game to the 49ers, you know, you can make the same argument like, hey, those guys never got a break. They're really tired. You know, why why'd you play them against the Eagles? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking going on. So I guess we'll have to find out after Sunday how much how much right. that impacted it. But it could yeah. definitely go the other way, too. I guess nobody wanted to see Cooper Rush, Martin. Nobody. Yeah. Even even Cooper Rush, probably. But uh <laughs> All right, Martin, we started this interview and make sure you follow Martin on Twitter at MFrankNFL. Great uh, Eagles beat writer for the Delaware News Journal, DelawareOnline.com. Um, you said the Eagles had a chance. I'm going to pin you down. I don't want this chance. I think you might be trying to do a little psychological game because you don't want to go to Green Bay in January. <laughs> um, who's going to win this game? Eagles, Buccaneers, pin you down. Not to have a chance. Who's going to win? All right. Well, since I, I opened by saying, yeah, I think the Eagles can win, I will I will say the Eagles will win. Wow. And, and I think they're going to do it. It's going to be obviously a close game. I mean, you know, but I think the weather conditions are going to have an impact. The wind is going to keep Brady's, you know, passing ability down. I think the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball on the Buccaneers. And I know the Bucs have like the third best pass uh, rush defense, not pass rush, rush defense, rush defense in, yeah. in the NFL. But, you know, this is a totally different Eagles team. And, and, you know, they're healthy on the offensive line. Well, relatively, I mean, they got their main guys in the offensive line. So I think the Eagles can pull this out like 27 to 24. If You know, the Eagles have to control the clock, obviously, and keep Brady off the field as much as possible. But I think not having his two main guys and Godwin and, and Brown and not being able to run the ball as much and the Eagles being able to keep the ball away from Brady, I think that's going to make the difference. Well, then, Martin, you better give the long underwear to the wife to get ready for Green Bay next week because if the Eagles win, uh, yeah. you have the title down. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> He'll suck it up to keep working for another weekend season. Martin, great stuff. Thanks for coming on, buddy. We'll uh, touch base again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Our Thanks, pleasure. Martin. Martin Frank, the first. A lot of people are making the argument for the Eagles and pointing out the places where the Eagles might have an advantage from way back in week number six and what's happened with both teams, and rightfully so. Not that many are actually going so far that they're actually picking the Eagles to win. 
Give Martin Frank credit for that. He's picking the birds to beat the Bucks. All right, we'll continue to talk about the big, big matchup next hour, oh, about 25 minutes from now. We'll get our buddy Paul Domwich, Philly Mag, and 33rd Team NFL up with us here on Birds 365. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Paul Downward's going to join us coming up in a little over 20 minutes from now, and uh, he'll give us his insights to the Bucks and Birds matchup in Super Wild Card Weekend down in Tampa. And yeah, we'll continue to talk about the Birds, but I do want you to take on this, Johnny Mac. Uh, was watching the NFL Network this morning, last night as well. Um, maybe it was ESPN. 
David Culley, the head coach of the Houston Texans, was given his walking papers last night. And uh, understandably, the media outlets felt the need to point out that starting this season, there were three African-American head coaches in the National Football League. We're down to one, Mike Tomlin, because Flores got fired in Miami and Cully got fired yesterday in Houston. And uh, is the National Football League once again understaffed when it comes to minority hirings? The Rooney Rule will be discussed at length again. It's just a really bad look. Here's my problem. I think Flores did a pretty good job that he won seven freaking games in a row. Now, I know he started at one and seven, but he won seven in a row. And then after they got eliminated, went out and beat the Patriots. We're trying to beat them the last week of the season. I don't think the guy should have been fired. I don't give a you-know-what about his skin color. They completely took apart the Texans this year. They paid their quarterback $38 million to not play for them. What the hell was David Culley supposed to do? I don't care about the ethnicity of either of the two guys. I don't think either one of them should have been fired. I don't think they did that bad a job to get fired. Then you add that into the mix, and both of these organizations are going to come under scrutiny, if not criticism. Am I off base here? Am I defending guys who shouldn't be defended? I know in both cases, though, they couldn't get along with the general manager. There was internal strife and the like. Like Jeff Lurie last year saying, Doug Peterson and uh, we didn't see the going forward. Doug wanted to win. This yeah, year, I, I shame think... on the Eagles for winning this year because that's what, what Jeff Lurie was looking for. He was looking for a transitional year. Isn't that the same thing every year that you're trying to win? What the hell did Cully and Flores do wrong to lose their jobs? Well, they didn't get get along with the people in power. Um, and I think people forget that. And it's interesting that you brought up uh, uh, Doug because I think it's a good uh, comparison if the owner doesn't agree with you, if you if you lost uh, the year of the owner, so to speak, well, you're done. <laughs> I mean, you're done. If, if you don't get along with your boss and, you know, really one guy has that power in an organization. And that was what happened in uh, Miami as well. And in Houston, the thought process was, or at least what they're saying is they wanted uh, offensive changes. Uh, David didn't want to agree to them. And then you go in a different direction. I, I think each case is obviously um, individual, but then as you get to the bigger picture and the fact that, well, there's eight openings, but right now, or how many, what are we, seven or eight? I don't even eight. know at this point. Probably eight. makes eight. Yeah. Um, so that's 25% of the league. So I, I do think people should wait. You know, let's say if Brian Flores gets the job in Houston or because people have already speculated because Nick Cesario and the New England connection and or it might be uh, Gerard Mayo getting his first job. Um, then again, it might be Josh McDaniels. So I do think you have to wait, but people don't want to wait. Uh, and, and see where the number is. If that number is one of 32, yeah, it's a disaster if Mike Tomlin is the only African-American coach. But, you know, if Brian Flores gets another job, if, if Gerard Mayo gets a job 
if you know, uh, uh, who knows, somewhere else in some other city gets a job, all of a sudden the numbers look a little bit better and it's not quite as bad. So one, I think it, you should wait. But if you look at each individual, the one thing each individual situation usually has in common is that the owner, the guy in charge, has lost confidence in the head coach for whatever reason. Um, and, the the you know, I think that's what people people hire who they're comfortable with. And you look at the owners in this league and they hire who they are comfortable with. I don't think an individual Jeffrey Laurie is probably the greatest example of this. Jeffrey Laurie might be one of the two or three most progressive owners, however you want to uh, define that in the NFL. I don't think he's hired a, a, a black coordinator uh, never mind a head coach since Ray Rhodes, uh, his first. Um, I think I'm correct on that. And if someone wants to correct me, uh, Todd Bowles was here, but he was an interim right. uh, defensive coordinator. So, you know, anybody who knows Jeffrey Lurie isn't going to be, oh, that guy's not going to. And there's plenty, you know, Catherine Race. We talked about her. She's getting the first woman to be uh, interviewed. Uh, to be requested for an interview for a GM job. Brandon Brown's getting interviewed uh, for a GM job. Uh, there's plenty of, of, of minorities in positions of power in Philadelphia, but in the high-profile coaching positions, it hasn't worked out. Um, each situation is individual, but, you know, we are where we are in this society and everybody hates everybody and they want to scream at everybody. And they, that that's just what it is. I mean, well, here's I, how I compare it. I'm going to go on a two minute political rant and I'm going to use the jets as an indication. If politics were uh, the NFL, it would be like jets fans arguing with Jaguars fans about who's better. Well, maybe you're better than the other team on a given day or, or or a given week, or in this case, a given issue. But the bottom line is you both stink and nobody wants to hear from either of you. That's that's where we are in society. Well, here's, here's what bothers me the most. What the hell did they expect from David Cully? I understand. Well, not that he was hired to the, be fired, I, but that I was part of it as well. I understand it's the owner's call, and he might not have felt comfortable. He felt comfortable enough to give him the job 12 months ago. So what did he do wrong in 12 months? They were a team with a roster with uh, the Deshaun Watson situation being what it is, who we realistically thought could lose them all. That when they won opening week against Jacksonville, which we knew also could be pretty bad, we go, all right, there's their one win. They beat Jacksonville at home. Here come 15 straight losses. They beat the Chargers and they beat the the, the uh, Titans. And the Titans might end up in the Super Bowl and used to beat them in the middle of the season. I think the guy had a hell of a year. Yeah, I know he only won four games, but two of them were against teams he was supposed to have no right beating. Yet he's done in 12 months and gets one year with no quarterback to show whether he deserves to be an NFL head coach or not. 
you hired the guy. We knew what the issues were with Cully when he came in. He's been an assistant forever. He's been a uh, guy in the league forever. And he had never gotten a head coaching job before. Why now? Okay. He's not a guy who's in for the long term. Did anybody say 12 months? We just want you to be. What, what, who were you calling a crash test dummy earlier this year? Well, it was. Uh, it's Eagle wide receiver. Uh, oh, uh, Jalen Rager when he was Jalen blocking Rager. the 13 personnel. Right. Protect the. Protect uh, Devontae Smith. Get him the hell yeah. off the field on yeah. running plays. Uh, yeah. Put the crash t- test dummy Jalen Rager out there. Is that what David Cully was? A crash test dummy? Yeah, and he pretty was there much. just for a year to get the snot beat out of him before uh, they move. Well, on here's to the thing. Coach? Here's the thing, and I, I, I've had this with one. He's a well-paid crash test dummy because he's coming away <clears throat> from this with twenty-two million dollars. Twenty-two million dollars, Jody. I when he was hired, everybody knew he was a short-term hire. I mean, he was hired to be fired, and then when he get back heading in the right direction, they were going to go in a different direction. So only David Cully knows if the bullet point on his resume is worth it. He'll forever be known as an NFL head coach now. Only he can answer that question. I have no idea how he feels. I, I do think it was unfair that he was fired. I do think he overachieved with perhaps the worst uh, roster in the NFL. Um, I agree with all that. On the other hand, uh, as I said, you know, he's going to be able to get a job as an assistant rather e- easily. And he's got $22 million in his pocket to be an NFL head coach. I don't think it's also the worst thing in the world, to be honest. Um you know, so it depends how you look at it, but I agree with you at the end of the day, he overachieved and he shouldn't, and he doesn't deserve to be fired. But I said the same thing about Doug Peterson from, from an outside looking in, you know, you can't fire a head coach three years out after Super Bowl. But the bottom line is Jody, if you're the boss, I'm the boss, Joe Krause is the boss and you don't get along with somebody and you're in charge it's your, it's your show. You can do what you want. And, and, and too many uh, firings in the NFL come down to that, come down to that. And there's not logic to them. There's not, you know, you're not thinking about continuity or, or things of that nature. You're just not getting along with your employee or your employees not doing what you want them to do. And you go in a different direction and then as the boss, you get killed for it or you get praised for it or whatever. But that's what it always comes down to. Correct. And uh, bringing it back home to the Eagles. Yeah, I didn't think Doug Peterson deserved to be fired. The one thing that I continued to harp on was the one thing I thought Jeff Lurie could do and would be wrong about was make a decision on the head coach and general manager and split the baby, which is exactly what he did. He fired the coach and kept the GM. I said, you do one of two things. Either you go clean out and you fire both Roseman and Peterson, or you give them both one more shot. To decide one was more uh, responsible for the going backwards of the Eagles last year, I thought was off base. So, yeah, I was critical of Jeff Laurie, but to give him credit, 
He did hire a good coach. He picked Nick Sirianni out when Sirianni and, was and, not. And, and let me say this, because I've said this a number of times, and I, I still say I don't think Doug Peterson deserved to be fired. But I will say this. If he did, if Doug Peterson did what Jeffrey Lurie told him to, he wouldn't have been fired. He wouldn't have been fired. Now, he had to do what the owner wanted him to do, and that was not hire Press Taylor, not hire Matt Burke or Corey Unlin. And he had to go in a different direction and get a certain offensive coordinator that Jeffrey Lurie would have approved of and a certain defensive coordinator that Jeffrey Lurie uh, would approve of, which would have probably, to be honest, been Jonathan Gannon. Um, If he would have done that, he'd still be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He said, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to stand my ground. And that's Doug's decision. He could have kept his job if he did what the owner said. He didn't want to do it. Now, I think Jeffrey Lurie, my personal opinion is Jeffrey Lurie should have given Doug Peterson the rope. Uh, And then if it doesn't work with Press Taylor, if it doesn't work with Matt Burke, then fire him. Then I have no issues with it. Either way, though, he could have kept his job. If he did what the owner said. But here's the one thing I don't understand, John, and maybe you can enlighten me. It looks like the makeup of the current Philadelphia Eagles staff had some major Nick Sirianni um, influence all over it. That these were guys that Sirianni knew, worked with elsewhere, had a relationship, had previous encounters with. It does. It does and it doesn't, though, Jody. Like Shane Steichen, yes. Kevin Petullo, undoubtedly. That's the guy closest to Nick Sirianni. Um, Jonathan Gannon, uh, they have a history, but the Eagles were looking to hire him no matter who the head coach was. Um, uh, uh, Jeff Stoutland, you know, that was a big thing of Howie Roseman, you know, Jeff was on his way to Alabama, man. And and how he said, you got to keep Jeff Stalin. We got to keep Jeff Stalin. Brian Johnston, uh, the quarterback's coach. The, that that's a Howie Roseman move. That's, you know, that that was uh, Nick didn't even know Brian, Brian Johnson. Um, so yes and no. Um certainly more, I would say, than Doug. Um, uh, but there's there's a lot of pieces on this coaching staff. And then you go down to Nick Rollis, who's the linebackers coach. You know, that's more of a Gannon hire. So, you know, you sort of go down the 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 scale. Denard Wilson, it's more of a Howie Roseman hire. Um, the secondary coach. So there's yes, the Shane, the people closest to um, Nick on the offensive side of the ball, unquestionably, those are his guys. But there's a lot of pieces that Jamal Singleton was uh, uh, Howie Roseman higher as well. So there's some and there's some that aren't. And the coaching staff will get their crack at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up on Sunday. And although both John and I have sat here and praised Eagle staff, uh, certainly Sirianni, Maybe a little more heavy-handed on the praise for Gannon for McMullen than McDonald, but uh, I acknowledge that the numbers are in uh, Gannon's favor. The overall numbers for the season, even including the last game playing the JV, did not move the needle all that much. They go, what the hell were the Eagles doing on defense 
this year. Uh, I'm not one who has to have Buddy Ryan-like defenses to be successful or to be beloved here in Philadelphia. Just talk about the results with me. And Gannon's results were pretty damn good this year. I think it's a mismatch this week, John. As good as the Eagle coaching staff is for a first-year coaching staff, the experience on the other side of the field on Sunday tips very heavily in Tampa's favor. And oh, not yeah. just because they won the Super Bowl last year, but they've got guys on that coaching staff been winning in the National Football League in their positions or equivalent positions with other teams for years. This is a mismatch between these two coaching staffs on Sunday. Yeah, I, I said when we were talking to Martin, I mean, this might be the deepest coaching staff in the NFL. And we talked about, you know, African-Americans getting hired as a head coach. What if Todd Bowles gets a head coaching job? What if Byron Leftwich gets a head coaching job? Harold Godwin is their special teams coordinators, gotten interviews to be a head coach in this league. Um, they are incredibly they, – they have the best coaching staff in the NFL from top to bottom when you look at proven commodities. And, you know, I don't know if Todd Bowles can have you, – you, you're a Jets guy, so you know Todd is not the most uh, – uh, he's boring on the mic, so to speak. But he, he's got tremendous respect uh, for scheming and his ability as a, as a defensive coach. The Eagles have been talking about it all week. Jason Kelsey just raves about him. Um, and his ability to to make things difficult uh, for the offense. Um, so yeah, I mean they have a they have a really really deep coaching staff, and it starts at the top, obviously with Bruce Arians, who's I don't know what is he a three time coach of the year? I don't know at this point, uh, but uh, he's one of the best head coaches in the league, and he's got the best uh, group of coordinators in this league. Todd Bowles is one of those guys, and he's not the first, and he sure as hell won't be the last, who's a really – no, not a really good. He's a great coordinator. He's not a head coach. I saw it first day with the Jets. There are some guys that just can't take that step. They can be great at a rather high step, but that final step up to running the entire show, yeah, they're – just not built to be it or they're not equipped to be it and that's why i think about todd Bowles. doesn't mean he can't be the best defensive coordinator in the national football league he sure as hell can but uh, i i've been there done that wouldn't hire him as my head coach there is a difference the skill sets are similar but they're not exactly the same and just because you're great at one doesn't mean you're going to be great at the other. But they're not facing off against Ty Bowles, the head coach. The Eagles are facing off against Ty Bowles, the defense coordinator, who Jason Kelsey's right. He will try and make their life more difficult this Sunday. All right, Jody Mack, Johnny Mack, the Mack and Mack guys here on Birds 365. Timeout coming, and then we'll be joined by our buddy Paul Domwich from the 33rd team in phillymag.com talking Eagles-Birds on Birds 365. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Working here on Bird 365, McMullen, McDonald, and Paul Domwich of uh, 33rd Team FB and phillymag.com jumping aboard with us. Domo, good to see you. Um, John and I were just talking about something before you came on, so I want I want to follow up there with you. Um, Doug Peterson giving his walking papers, what happened here in Philadelphia, uh, and John's opinion that it came down to Doug taking a hard line on his coaching staff and Lori saying, oh, yeah? I'm the owner. You can't dictate to me here. Otherwise, you'll be gone, Doug. And that's exactly what happened. He's now out there on the trail again. He's already talked to a couple of different teams. He might even get a couple more interviews. He's certainly understandable. One of the best candidates. Doug going to get another gig? Is Did he learn from his time here in Philadelphia? Will be better served as a second place head coach? How do you think the Peterson thing's going to shake out? Well, I don't think it's... I don't think it's certain that he's going to get another job. I think I still think his best shot is Jacksonville. Um, I don't think Chicago is a possibility. Uh, so, you know, I, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a certain gamble when you uh, take a year off. Um, you know, I mean, part of it was by, wasn't by choice with him, but if he was more aggressive, he might've gotten a job uh, right away last year, like Andy did coming uh, in 2012 when he was fired. So, 
it's not uh, – I'd put the odds right now on probably 70-30 that he gets another job, but I don't think there are a lot of teams that are considering him to be beyond Jacksonville. That's interesting because he is getting a, a lot of interviews or at least uh, a lot of requests at this yeah. point, Damo. And there's, you know, what do you think the disconnect is there when you look at a guy who had such success, especially building up a quarterback, and at least until it went wrong? If yeah. you think about that, the Eagles used to call it the quarterback incubator with Doug and, and Frank Reich and John DiPolippo. And if you have a young quarterback like Justin Fields in Chicago or something like that, it would, it would, it would look pretty good to me. Um, but then you have the the other end of that. Matt Nagy's a Andy Reid guy. He's close to Doug Peterson. Maybe you want the to, the change. What what do you think gets in these uh, owners' heads when they start thinking about head coaches and they want the the young unproven guy than the guys who's got the Lombardi trophy in the, in his background on zoom. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, probably a very shallow perception of, of why they like certain guys. They have a look, <laughs> they're vibrant. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look, look at it. everybody looks like Sean McVay. I mean, yeah. yeah, if you're, if you're a young coach right now and you're having a certain level of success, you, you know, got a good next- stubble. You got a good uh, three o'clock stubble. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Doug, in my mind, if I'm looking for a coach, is a no-brainer. I'm going to hire him. Uh, you know, he's organized. Uh, you know, he's he does a good job. And most of these teams that are looking for coaches also have quarterback problems. So, I mean, what better guy to bring in than a guy uh, who, who understands quarterbacks, who's had success with them? So I, I don't know what the deal is. I just know that sometimes when you sit out a year, it doesn't help you. All right, let's talk about the guy who replaced Doug Peterson. That'd be Nick Sirianni, who's got his first resume season up there pretty damn good at nine and eight with not very high expectations to be above 500. And then the playoffs is absolutely an achievement. Will he stay the course? He talked the talk yesterday all all week. His two appearances about it's just got to be a process that you can't put too much emphasis. It's another game for the football team which I say is easier said than done. Uh, understand where it's coming from, but we all know it's a playoff game. And I just to pretend that it's not, I think, is a little naive, um, or at least he's trying to get that inside his players' heads. If they fall behind 10 nothing, maybe 17-3 to or something like that, and they're down by two touchdowns, and it's getting late in the first half, is he going to be able to stay disciplined enough to know his best chance is still running the football. Maybe his defense lets him down a little bit, gives up a big play. You get a tip pass or something like that for a defensive touchdown. Might even not be that the Eagles are playing that badly, but um, a big play goes against them. Will Sirianni be able to stay disciplined and know that his best chance is still running the football down the Bucks' throats? Well, if they fall behind 17-3, I think we can all go home. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, one, one, of the, one of the keys of this game for me is that they can't allow to happen what happened the last time. They cannot fall behind. They've got to stay with them. I mean, they can, they can trail, but this has to be a one-score game going into the second half. Uh, otherwise, it just forces you to alter your, your game plan. It, it allows them to tee off on, on Jalen. I mean, they're not going to abandon the run like – well, 
the, the first game, you know, Miles ran the ball, I believe, one time in the first half. First half, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're not going to see that kind of abandonment. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, if this becomes a two-score two, two score game, you're, they're going to be forced to throw. Um, so, you know, that, that's why that's so important to, uh, you know, control the ball, uh, keep the, you know, and keep it a close game. So you do your deep dive in the numbers each week for Philly Mag, um, uh, so what was your kind of lead and that'll be published later today but uh, what what did you take out of this matchup obviously number one ranked run offense for the Eagles I think Tampa Bay's number three run defense you got Vita Vea right smack dab in the middle yeah what what is your number one takeaway entering this game well Looking at the last game, looking at Tampa Bay's success this year, um, Tom Brady is almost unbeatable on third and four or less, and the Bucks are unbeatable. I mean, he's he leads the league in third down uh, passing on third and four or less. Uh, he's got. I mean, they have their success rate on, on in third and short is like eighty percent. You get, but you get him beyond that. You get him in third and five or more. This is a. This is not. I mean, because you, you, then he has, then you know he has to throw. You, you can't, you, you don't have to respect Fournette as much. Uh, his, you know, he's, they're just, a, they just become a, they go to, to become a, a, an average football team after that offensively. And I think, so I think the Eagles need to, you know, last game, uh, Tampa Bay converted, I believe, seven of 13 third downs. One of them was a, a kneel down at the end. So essentially it was seven or seven to 12. But like six of those were third and four or less. And they converted uh, five, five of those six. Uh, the, the backbreaker on third and long, of course, was that long throw to Antonio Brown uh, in the fourth quarter that basically allowed Tampa Bay to run out the clock when the Eagles wanted to be, were trying to get the ball back. But so, I mean, I think that's going to be important on uh, on Sunday that, that they get that, you know, they, they, they play well on first down defensively and hold Brady to, to put him in third and longs uh, where, you know, where he's not as comfortable, where they can get an inside pr- pressure on him and, and maybe sack him. Uh, so, you know, that that's the biggest takeaway from the first game to this one. Uh, you know, I think they can run the ball on them, even with Vita Vea. Uh, they're, you know, they're a tough team to run on inside, but they're very susceptible uh, on the outside. And I think that's what you'll see on Sunday. You know, they're going to have Lane Johnson back. They didn't have him in the first game. They're going to, they're going to have Goddard back. They didn't have him in the first game. Um, You know, those are two pretty pretty, uh, big weapons, especially when with Johnson out, you had to move uh, Mulatto. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So now you've got him back where he belongs, you know, they don't turn the ball over if if they play well on third down uh you know they got a they got a puncher's chance in this game i i'm i've asked this of basically every guest we've had this week here on birds 365 uh you mentioned who the eagles were without in that first matchup between the bucks and eagles well the bucks were without a guy by the name of gronkowski who's been playing pretty well these last couple of weeks there's no perfect answer but give me your best guess scenario how are the Eagles going to try and slow, if not stop, Gronkowski? It's going to be a, a real problem, Jody. Uh, I don't know that they can. You know, their linebackers have not sh- – I mean, this is a team that's given up 13 touchdown passes 
to uh, tight ends this season. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not good. Uh, so, I mean, they, you know, no matter how, what Darius Slay does outside, you know, we've seen the last two weeks that they've gone, that, that Brady's going to Gronk again. He's got, because he doesn't have anybody else uh, other than Mike, Mike Evans. Uh, you know, but he's got 200 yard games last two weeks, 100 yard receiving games. So, you know, he's going to go, at, go at, throw the ball to him. Uh, but even in the first game w- without Gronk, you know, they, they threw it to, uh, uh, to, uh, OJ Anderson, Cameron OJ, Bray. Uh, yeah, for a touchdown. You know, they've got Cameron Braid, who's also a very good tight, uh, pass catching tight end. So that's going to be a, a problem for that defense. They haven't been able to stop tight ends all season. And it's hard to believe. I mean, Gronk isn't the player he was, but he's still he's still damn good. He's still big. He's still you know. I mean, he's gonna he when, if he wants the ball, they're gonna get it to him. Uh, what they got to do is limit his yards after the catch. Uh, you know that even in the Washington game uh, two weeks ago, that's that was a concern. You saw, you know, they try their linebackers take so long to get to the ball to get to the guy that catches the ball. Uh, you know, you, you can't do that. You need to if you're gonna play that bend but not break. Uh, defense, you know, you've, you've got to limit their yards after the catch, and they're, you know, they've, they haven't done that all year. Uh, are you a little surprised, Damo, since they lost Chris Godwin week 15? Um, and obviously Antonio Brown, the way that's gone, um, they haven't gone to more 12 because they do have not only Gronk, they have Cameron Bray, they have uh, yeah. OJ Howard. Um, that's, that's as deep a group of tight ends as in this league. And that can create its own problems as evidence, especially with Tom Brady's strengths as a thrower at this point. And are you surprised they haven't gone to more of that, uh, 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 as the season has gone on? Yeah, I am. And I'm, I'm still not convinced that we won't see more of it, uh, Sunday, uh, you know, he, he, he completed 34 passes in the first Eagles game. Um, 22 of them were to players who were no longer on that team. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so you got to make adjustments uh, yeah. and, and going with more 12, throwing to, you know, throwing to those two tight ends uh, seems to be a logical way to go because I, I think the Eagles, you know, <laughs> corners are certainly going to be focused on, on shutting down Evans. All right. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet, John or I, or any of the guests we've had on, you might be a good guy to ask about this pressure. There's pressure on the Tampa Bay Bucks here. They are the defending Super Bowl champions. People in Tampa, and I'm sure within that locker room, want to see a back-to-back performance. The Eagles should have no pressure in this game. We know that's not the case. They made the playoffs. Now everybody wants to win. Uh, Martin Frank coming on and picking them here on Birds 365. Yeah, there's pressure on both teams, but much more so on the Bucks than the Eagles. You could even say the Eagles are playing with a little house money here since they weren't expected to make the playoffs this year. How does that manifest itself on Sunday? Well, you know, Brady really wilts under that pressure. <laughs> You got, good point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I just don't see it. I mean, you're right. They're, they are playing. With, the Eagles are playing with house money. I, I think they're going to be loose. I think it's a positive. Going to be regardless of how this game turns out, it's going to be a positive experience for them. 
uh, because it gives them a taste of this. Uh, but I don't, I don't think pressure is going to have any impact on, on the Bucks. Uh, you know, Bruce keeps that team pretty loose. And, and like I said, I mean, Brady obviously is not going to be bothered by it. So uh, I, don't, I don't expect it to be a factor. Dama, one guy who uh, I love as a player, nobody's talking about, who wasn't there in the first game for the Bucs as well, and, and I loved his dad as a player as well, as Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, he, he is, to me, the most underrated player on the box, maybe the most under one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Um, a lot of the Eagles players this week have been talking about Todd Bowles and his ability as a defensive coordinator and his ability to shift from when he's playing a team, you know, once and then come back the second time. Jason Kelsey raved about him. Mm-hmm. He's that moving piece in the back end that cur- could create headaches. I remember the Joe Webb game, which I'm sure you remember. Um, I always call that the Antoine Winfield senior game because he was really the guy who destroyed that game. Blitzing off the slot against a mobile quarterback in Michael Vick. Is that going to be sort of uh, Todd Bowles' ace in the hole, Antoine Winfield Jr., to stop, try to stop Jalen Hurts? I think it could be. You know, I mean – you know, Jalen's still learning, uh, still hasn't seen everything. Uh, and he certainly hasn't seen a, you know, too many players, the, the caliber of Winfield. Uh, I, you know, you're right. Bowles is a smart guy. He's going to move him around. You know, they're going to have to know where he is every snap. Uh, you know, Jalen in week six had next to that Giants game, the, the worst game of his uh, of the season. I mean, I think he had like a 45 something passer rating, uh, it was just, you know, I mean, you guys know the numbers. It was, it was an ugly, an ugly day for him. Uh, he's gotten a lot better, uh, but Todd Bowles is is one of the best at, you know, exploiting things. And and he's got in Winfield, he's got a guy that that he can use in a lot of different ways. So uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup on Sunday. All right, I'm looking for places where I think the Eagles are at least on par, or maybe even have an advantage against the Bucks. How about in the kicking game? Um, Jake Elliott just got named pro football focus, made him the number two kicker in football this year. He was second team. Ryan Suckup's not bad. He's a solid kicker. He's money in the bank on short stuff, but he didn't make a 50 yard field goal all year. Can this come down to a late kick by Jake Elliott, Damo? It could Jody, but you know, my, my feeling going into this game is the more we see of Jake Elliott, the less chance Eagles have of winning. I mean, they've got to convert everything into touchdowns. Uh, And that's not been something they've been doing uh, well lately. So, you know, that concerns me. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, if it comes down to a a kick at the end, you know, there's not many other guys I'd rather uh, kicking, you know, getting frozen by by Arians and still going out there and kicking a a game on the line one than than Elliott. But, uh, you know. Not going to be a field goal game, huh? Better not settle for field goals. I I agree with Tombo. Early, you can't settle for field goals. Yeah, I mean that'll be it'll be interesting. The first time Nick faces, let's say let's say they drive down and they're on the eight yard line, fourth and three. What's he going to do? Uh, is he? I mean, we'll find out right then and there 
what kind of game they think this is going to be. If he if he kicks the field goal, then he thinks he can keep him. You know, he thinks he somehow the defense can keep the point total down and he can make it that kind of game. If he goes for it, then he knows he needs every he needs to yeah. maximize every possession. And I think he's going to go for it, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> and totally. I I think it's going to be Brandon Stanley like fourth downs all over the place. Yeah, and if you're you know if you're a team playing with house money, that's the way to play it. You know, yeah, we got nothing yeah. to lose, so go for it. And 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 plus, it shows confidence in your offensive line, which is always a good thing. All right, we typically don't talk about weather weather games, but we're going to be talking about weather. Looks like it's going to rain in Tampa, but more impactful than that. Tom, it looks like it's going to be 20 to 30 mile an hour winds. Um, and that can really affect the passing game more so than the rain. Uh, advantage Eagles, if, if if that's the weather forecast? Yeah, if you assume this game is going to stay close and they're going to stay committed to the run, certainly. Um, you know, then they're, you know, I don't know how that'll, I would be interested to see how that affects what, you know, I mean, the 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 Bucks are the have the lowest run play percentage in the league. I mean, they they average I think twenty two runs a game. I mean, they've got Leonard Fournette back, uh, but still they're going to throw the ball ideally in, in under ideal circumstances. How does the weather affect that in their mind? Do they suddenly start to run it more? Uh, if they do, that that plays to the Eagles because the, you know the Eagles can stop the run against them. They didn't do a particularly good job. Uh, run the ball against the Eagles the last time. I think they averaged like 2.6 yards per carry on first down. Um, as far as and, and as far as the Eagles, you know, like we just talked about. I mean, they're, they they want to run. Weather's not going to affect that, except for a slippery ball and maybe some turnovers that you worry about. But uh, so I, I would think a bad weather day is a good thing for the Eagles. All right, Damo. Uh... The Eagles, hopefully, are going to be able to run the football effectively. We all agree that's what kind of turned that season on its ear from two and five to winning season and making the playoffs was their commitment to run the football. They've had three different guys on given Sundays who have been the big dog, who have been the lead dog and gotten the most carries. I, the coach hasn't really come under much scrutiny because it's worked for him in this second half. It seems like all three are healthy going into this game. You can even add Gamewell as a fourth. I'd be blatantly shocked if Gamewell got the most carries this Sunday. But Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, will the coach be second-guessed if he decides to lean on one and they don't run the ball as effectively as they usually do? Yeah, I'll be interested to see what he does uh, because, like we talked about earlier, you know, it's not easy to run on the Bucks inside because of Vita Vea uh, and their linebackers. You know, you have more success against them on, on the on the edges. And, uh, you know, Jordan Howard is an inside runner. I mean, that's the only place he's effective. So does this, does this game neutralize him and you don't even think about maybe even using him? I mean, Boston Scott's got a little bit more versatility. Kenny Gainwell – and, and Sanders, obviously, but I want Gainwell active for this game because of what he can do as a receiver. Um, so, you know, I, but so I'm going to be curious to see what Nick does, which does he go? Does he does he suit up all four running backs? Does he sit down Jordan Howard? Does he sit? I don't think he'll sit down Kenny Gainwell. I think they saw things in that throwaway game against Dallas that they really liked uh, about him. 
both as a runner and receiver. So, um, you know, th- I, I'm going to be interested to see who he sits down, if he sits down or running back. I don't think he's going to sit him down, Donald, because Kenny, remember, Kenny took over for Jalen Rager as yeah. the kickoff returner. So right. at the bare minimum, he's going to be just the kickoff yeah. returner. But it is interesting to see if he's going to utilize him. And this will perk Jody up because over the past couple weeks, when we do get out to practice, which isn't much these days, and by the way, the Eagles are going in the bubble again, so we can't even watch practice today. Um, Kenny Gainwell starts out with the receivers in individual drills, and then he goes back to working with the running backs. So that, to me, is an indication that they're going to pull something out at some point with Kenny Gainwell as a receiver. Um, obviously, he did that a lot in college at Memphis. Jody's talked about if, hey, Jalen Rager's not successful and Quez Watkins and Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's officially out for the season now. Why not try Kenny Gainwell as a slot receiver? They've been yeah. working on it. They've been. He's been in. Devontae Smith let it the cat out of the bag that he's in receiver meetings at times. Yeah, I, I they, sense a little craziness coming. They've used uh, more and more empty sets with him yeah. lately. Uh, you know, but they generally don't use them. I know, uh, and you know, I've been waiting seventeen games for him to run a wheel route on somebody because I, I don't think there's a linebacker yeah. in this league that can stay with him. And I, maybe they're saving that up too. I mean, he's clearly Nick's got some, some things in his bag of tricks that he hasn't used, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, my concern with empty sets is with the quarterback. Um, you know, he's gotta be, you know, he's gotta get that ball out quickly. And, you know, I don't, I still don't have confidence that he can do that on a consistent basis. I'd rather have somebody there that can offer some protection rather than an extra receiver because he's got guys that can get open. He's got Devonta Smith that pretty much can get open at will. Uh, he's got Goddard. So, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing more and more of, of Gainwell being used as a, a you know, in the slot uh, in an empty sets like that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting uh, what he, what Nick does on Sunday. All right, last one for me, Damo. Um, uh, from well before the draft, I've been I still a huge think Dallas would have been the hardest game. <laughs> so do I, Damo. So do I. You, you, you're just embarrassing yourself. But we, we won't go there. Um, to Smith, loved him before the draft. Loved the fact that the Eagles got in position to get him. Set the record for the most yards ever for a rookie receiver for the Eagles. It kind of weaselly since he did it in the 17th game but I don't want to open up that can of worms um but truth be told Jamar Chase had a better year than he did truth be told Jalen Waddle had a better year than he did the two guys who were drafted before him had bigger years does Devonta get pushy this week about just throw me the damn ball because do you have any faith that Quez Watkins or Jalen Rager or my guy Greg Ward are going to make the game-changing play here? It's got to be about Devontae on the outside. Does he get uh, in his wide receiver coach's face, the offensive coordinator's face, and go, I'm the guy. Make sure Jalen Jalen and I talk, but you guys call the plays. Call my number plenty because I'm going to deliver us a win. Any chance that happens? Well, I mean, we have to see what Tampa's going to do to try to defend him. Uh, 
I still think Dallas Goddard's the guy that if you're looking for a difference maker in the passing game, I just think he's the guy they can't stop. Uh, you know, with, with Winfield, I think there's some things they can do uh, to, to kind of neutralize Smith. Um, I'm sure we're going to see a sh- you know, our share of bubble screens on Sunday again. Uh, whether, you know, I don't know how many or whether they'll work. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I, Devonta hasn't had a disappointing season in my, in, in, in my, you know, I mean, a lot of it is dictated by the quarterback. Uh, you know, I mean, Jalen went through some growing pains this year, whereas, you know, Burrow was just letting it fly in Cincinnati. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I, I, I think Devonta is going to be, the three of them are going to be right there uh, as great receivers in this league. But Sunday, you know, I'm sure Devonta wants the ball. Uh, it's just a matter of, of, of what you see from that defense because Nick, like all offensive coaches, is a take-what-they-give-you guy. All right, Tombo. Uh, we both know the Eagles wouldn't have a chance against the Cowboys, but they're not playing the Cowboys. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, let's pin you down. Who's going to win this game? Yeah, take the points, but don't take the Eagles. Uh, I think it's going to be. I think they're going to keep it close, um, but you know they're going to have to. They're going to have to t- walk away, uh, f- fly away from Tampa with a moral victory. All right, uh, McMullen's got no choice. He's got to be here next week. You do. <laughs> um, when the Eagles lose by double digits, and the 49ers go into Dallas <clears> and <throat> beat the Cowboys. The kind of rain on your parade of oh the Cowboys. What we didn't say we said McMullen has to show. I'm just double checking that you will show next week and go. Yeah, maybe I overestimated the Dallas Cowboys. No, here's what I said. I can't speak to Damo, but we'll keep you on for this. I said the Eagles don't match up well with the Cowboys. Not necessarily everybody else. It's not. It's a sliding scale, Jody. Yeah, yeah. I mean. my Cowboys sure as hell did kick the shit out of the practice squad Eagles last week. I got to give the Cowboys that much. That was a major blowout over the Eagles practice squad. They we got it. We, we, Dama, we, we, we have succeeded. We have Jody Curson again. We have succeeded. <laughs> you got to love it. Damo, uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Yes, we will have you back next week. Yes, you expected the show. And yes, you're going to eat crow. So thank you very much for coming on today and doubling down. Do appreciate that. You got nerve. Uh, Be back next week to uh, uh, face the uh, justice. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Paul Domwich of uh, phillymag.com and also the 33rd Team FB. All right, I tip my hand. You know, I'm picking the bucks by double digits. So you got to come back and see what McMullen has to say. He and his Philly voice guys, I got a question for him about his placing in the list of the Philly uh, voice pickers. We'll come back with our picks to wrap things up here on Birds 365. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. J Mac here with you. J Mac, McMullen and McDonald. Last couple of minutes here, getting ready for Eagles and Bucks on Sunday. One last thing about what we've been discussing for the better part of a week now. What do you think the spread would be if the Eagles were playing in Dallas this week instead? Yeah, we already talked about that. It would be lower, uh, you know. But I think Tampa Bay has more cachet. They're the reigning Super Bowl champions. They have Tom Brady. And I don't think, um, and I think, you know, more people default to Tom Brady and um, rightfully so, to be honest, uh, his history is his history. So I, I think the Eagles, I think people remember I'm immersed in the Eagles. The Eagles don't match up with the Cowboys. Um, I, as I always use my boxing analogy, styles make fights. Um, you know, betters are looking at the entire league and they're probably not as immersed in one team as another team. So that doesn't, that doesn't shape my, my belief in, in they don't match up with the Cowboys. They don't match up with the Cowboys, period. They match up with the Bucks. They match up better with the Bucks. They don't match up with the Bucks. They match up. Better with the Bucks than with the Cowboys. Everything 
is relative, Jody. I, I, as I understand I said, that. I just think you're well over-evaluating the Dallas Cowboys. As I said, now some other people said they match up best with the Bucs. I didn't go that far. No. I said I'd much rather would play Arizona. And then I was wavering, and I'll admit I was wavering on the Rams, but after the Rams, what they did against San Francisco, then I said, no, I'd rather – I'd rather have the Rams. Um, so, I mean, I would rather, of the four teams, of the four potential possibilities, I'd put Tampa Bay at three. I don't think they match up well with them. I just think they match up better with them than they match up with Dallas. And you're right, week 17 doesn't matter because it's the varsity, week, uh, week 18, excuse me. It's the varsity versus the junior varsity. But they blew them out the first time too. They destroyed them. I mean, I you know, I mean, to me, with those weapons, uh, specifically the receivers, even without Michael Gallup, with Cedric Wilson and Trayvon Diggs, who intercepts the Eagles every time he plays them, and Micah Parsons, who wasn't even there, I I just don't think they match up with what the is Dallas it, what is it about the 49ers that they have that match ups that matches up better against the Cowboys than the Eagles. Well, I didn't say they matched up better. You assumed I said that. I said, the, to me, the 49ers versus the Cowboys has nothing to do with my thought process on the Eagles not matching up with the Cowboys. I don't know the 49ers well enough to know. I do have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan and the way he schemes up his offense, but I don't have a lot of respect for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not saying they met the Cowboys should win that game. If they don't win that game, you know, Mike McCarthy might not have a job if they don't win that game. They should win that game. But as far as I don't follow the 49ers close enough to say they match up well with the Cowboys or they don't match up well uh, with the Cowboys. I do follow the Eagles closely enough, and I know for damn sure they don't match up with the Dallas Cowboys right now. Yeah, here's, here's the reason why I think the Eagles could match up, and if this week had been Eagles-Cowboys, it would have a chance to win. I certainly believe the Tampa defense is better at stopping the run than the Cowboy defense is at stopping the run. And everything with the Philadelphia Eagles right now starts with their ability to run the football. Everything else runs off that. Their entire season turned on that when they decided we got to become a run-first offense, and it gave them the ability to finish as a winning team and make the playoffs qualify for the postseason. It all starts right there, and I think the yeah, but I think there's different. The Dallas Cowboys are plain and simple. I think there's different ways to win games, and I agree with you. I think Tampa Bay. When's the last time the Eagles won a game passing the football? No, but what I'm saying is, if you'll let me finish. If the Cowboys are scoring 40 points, it doesn't matter if the Eagles can run the football. Then let them run the football. They're going to be two scores down. Let them keep running the football. They can't stop the Eagles. They can't stop the Cowboys. The Eagles can't stop the Cowboys offensively. They can't do it. So, you know, are they going to win a 45 to 40 game? I don't think they can. I don't think they can win that type of game. I don't think many people think they can win that type of game. And I know damn sure they can't stop the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. It's those receivers. 
They are just running free, whether the junior varsity was out there or the varsity was out there. Running free. With, roaming with, free. With with the receivers he has and the receivers the guy down in Tampa has, I'm going to take the Bucks over the Cowboys. Passing game. I'll take Brady over Dak Prescott. Even even acknowledging that Dak's got good weapons, Brady will make more. Well, I, I would say this. You would really like the Bucks if if – if Tom Brady had Dak Prescott's weapons, I know that. True. But Brady plays for the Bucs. Dak plays for the Cowboys. I uh, know your pick was already in Philly Voice. Are you sticking with that pick or are you changing it? I am sticking with that pick. And it tells you that the Eagles don't match up well with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just match up a little better. But I have the Eagles losing the football game 33 to 22. We are in the same neighborhood, not the exact same pew, but the same neighborhood. Um, not quite as high scoring a game as you have. I do have the Eagles losing by double digits, nearing two touchdowns. 30 to 17 is my final score, which is right around the under over is 46. So I got it at 47. So I'm not feeling the under or the over. If I had to make a play, I would take the Bucks and lay the eight and a half points. But let me get on record right here, right now, Eagle fans. I know you're all going, Jody Mac. Uh, you're picking <laughs> the Bucks. I'm taking the 49ers over the Cowboys. There we go. San Francisco goes into Dallas and beats the John uh, Johnny Mac, uh, Paul Domwich overrated Cowboys on uh, Sunday afternoon. Just to give you a little stab on the wounds that you're trying. Well, to I know, from. I know most Eagles fans would, would like that. Uh, you know, it's, you know, sometimes they'd like if the Cowboys lose more than the Eagles win. I, I don't care who wins. I just think they're a really talented football team right now. They've got some skilled players, but I don't know. They put it together as a team and yes, major advantage coaching staff, San Francisco over Dallas. And that's why I think that I, I would agree with. That I would agree. I, we'll find out if it's a big factor or not. All right, Jay Mac, you're out on Monday. You're flying home during the show, right? Yeah, 7 a.m., hopefully. C All fingers right, well, crossed I will be in the air. Have a safe trip down. Uh, looking forward to getting you back here on Tuesday on Birds 365, which, yeah, we're going to be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, th next week. Even if the Eagles aren't playing, we're going nowhere fast here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.